0: Hey guys, and welcome to the Exhibit C podcast, where two guys give their primitive and honest opinions on the world of sports. Love him. Love him. Welcome in, guys. I'm your host, Charles Beale, alongside the pride of Villanova, Christian Lason. Christian, how you doing, man? Doing good, Charles. Yourself? Oh, doing great. Just wanted to talk about the premise of this podcast. I'm a Braves fan, Christian a Phillies fan, both big fans of the NL East in general. We both watch a lot of baseball. We kind of thought we put our heads together and make a podcast. Uh, Christian probably has a couple uh, decades of IQ points ahead of me, so he'll bring <laughs> the, the intelligence and I'll I'll, I'll probably bring close to nothing to the podcast but we kind of jump right in we're going to review uh the no east in the year of 2020 uh starting with the braves and man it was you know actually let's back it up a little bit in the midst of COVID 19 you didn't really think that there was going to be a season so christian when you know manfred announced that they were going to try to make this thing work in july what, what were your original thoughts on it
1: yeah, well, at first, I was just grateful that they were going to make an effort. But, you know, the first series of the season for the Phillies, from a Phillies perspective, uh, going up against the Marlins, um, who we'll get to later, had an amazing season. But, um, yeah, so just going into that first series, we're grateful that they're playing. You know, it kind of gives you an escape from just the day-to-day grind that was last year. And then, you know, so a couple of Marlins players get sick, and then you think maybe the season's not going to be able to happen. But just... Props to them, uh, props to the MOB and all the teams for being able to get through it, get a, like somewhat of a full season in. I mean, I know it was only like 60 games, but you know what? I mean, we're all grateful for it. And I mean, there we, we ended up with a champion, which is I mean, that's all you can ask for at the end of the day.
0: Yeah. And when the playoffs came along, I kind of had to pinch my leg because not only were the Braves in the playoffs, but they were doing Really well. So to kind of just start with the Braves, they they had an excellent season. Uh, Was really fun to watch as a fan. Uh, They in the MLB they ranked second in batting average, second in home runs. They had a pitching staff that was kind of makeshift after Soroka went down, and uh, the ghost of Cole Hamels, I think, made one appearance in the later part of the season. later part of the season. Um, but the pitching staff had a lot of young pieces. Max Fried and uh, Ian Anderson, to be exact, were, were both very promising, pitched very well in the playoffs. But yeah, it was such a great season. Uh, Freddie Freeman finally got that MVP that I thought, I mean, most Braves fans have been pining for him to, to get the recognition we think he deserves. And in his age 30 season, he finally got it. Uh, so that was really awesome. Uh, so yeah, so from a Philly standpoint and as a Phillies fan, what what did you think of the Braves season?
1: Yeah, well you know obviously we would rather have it be the Phillies in that position, but having a team being able to represent the NL East in the playoffs the way the Braves did it actually taking the juggernaut that was the Dodgers team to to really I mean they really kind of I mean I can't speak English.
0: <laughs> No, no, let's go on the Dodgers real quick because it's pretty – the Dodgers batted a reigning MVP six in their lineup. That is, I mean, it is ridiculous that the Braves were up 3-1 in that series, starting Bryce Wilson in the game, getting a great start from him, who had like four starts on the season and just, just going in there and pitching a great game. It was pretty magical, but I always had that feeling in the back of my head that I was like, man, I don't, I, there's a good pot. I mean, Braves up 3-1, to and at that point, everything would tell you that likely the Braves are going to win the series, but there was a thought in the back of my head, right? I was like, you know, if they win, like, it's going to be really difficult for the Braves to win this fourth game. I mean, th- the Dodgers just have talent coming out of all ends. It's it's ridiculous. But, he's, yeah, you know, he's podcast, so we'll give him back. Yeah. And so, yeah, so running down a couple of key cogs uh, for the Braves, um, Alex Anthopoulos, the GM, brought Marcelo Zuna in on a one-year deal. And, boy, did he – did he have a phenomenal season? Uh, batted at 338. I believe he led the NL in home runs. Got to fact check me on that one. Uh, just a great season. He he left a lot to be desired out there in left field. Uh, so he didn't play much. He was a DH because we had – uh, and I don't understand why the players uh, – I think it's a players union rejected the universal DH, which I am upset because the Braves have, probably won't sign Marcelo Zuna, but he was awesome. I think top five in the MVP uh, voting – had a phenomenal year. Ronald Acuna, I think he's the best young stud in the league. Uh, apologies to Juan Soto and Fernando Tatis. Uh, Swanton can continue to take a step forward in his performance at shortstop. And Travis no, nobody saw him performing. I And I think he had a better season, statistically speaking, maybe in some aspects in Real Muto. Yeah. What do you,
1: yeah, I mean, you gotta you gotta give it to him, and that's why he was the Silver Slugger in the NL. So he he absolutely he showed up and delivered. And I mean, it wasn't necessarily JT's best season, but what you saw from Dr. Node was, I mean, that that's a big game changer for a
0: team that was looking to make a big run like the Braves were. I'm not saying in any way, shape, or form that <laughs> Travis is better than JT Realmuto, because we all know Realmuto is the the class of oh, especially a. From an offensive standpoint, at the catching position, um, but yeah, let, actually, let's—it's kind of like breaking news at this point. We found out today, so yeah, go ahead. What, what's the news that came out of Philadelphia this morning? So finally, finally, to the absolute relief of all of us Phillies
1: fans, the Phillies were able to secure JT Realmuto on a five-year, one hundred fifteen million dollar contract. And we were just talking about it a little before this. I mean, it really wasn't the money that people were thinking that JT might get at this stage. And the Phillies obviously were kind of standing firm on that, like around a hundred million dollar offer. And then we were talking to a lot of other teams were getting interested. We saw some interest from the the teams in New York. Um, Even the Braves had a little go at him
0: possibly. Oh, that's what at least a lot of fans were kind of kicking the cans around. Maybe that hoping that was a rumor. (laughs) Um, But no, it's good. It's good to see that work out because I'm sure the Phillies fans, if he would not have resigned in Philadelphia, they would have had nightmares for years to come about that trade, sending Sixto Sanchez down south because he, he looks like a very promising ace in the hole for the Miami Marlins team.
1: Yeah, and when the trade was made by uh, Matt Klintak, who we'll talk about later, got a lot to say about him, but when the trade was made, it was really a win now thing. We were spending a lot of money, Bryce Harper, uh, bringing him in, bringing Arietta in, and then taking on that, um, that Real Muto contract. That's a big, that's a big decision, and it should be paying off of wins and um, not just two years of control over a player, so. I mean, it's a dangerous move, especially with a guy like Sixto Sanchez going to the Marlins and delivering in the minors, and now delivering in the MLB.
0: You know, I know we talked about this uh, yesterday a little bit, but if again, if Real Mutual would not have signed, it would have been eerily similar to a trade the Braves made in the early 2000s, sending away a young prospect in the name of Adam Wainwright to St. Louis for, I think, a year, maybe a little bit more than a year of control of G. I believe,
1: yeah. One one year, and uh, us Phillies fans have a deep-seated hatred for Drew as well. But yeah, they, it, if that trade
0: had ended up in, with only two years of control over Real Muto, then that that's not a very promising thing. Especially when you consider that the Phillies didn't make the playoffs, and it, it's amazing. Our, and let let's go to you. So this past year, give me your recap of the Philly season this past year. So I'm just gonna take a deep breath because you know it was it's
1: been. Another year of Phillies baseball, spending a lot of money. I mean, few teams spend more money than the Phillies, and it was just another massive disappointment. Ninth straight non-winning season in Philadelphia, coming off the heels of one of the greatest runs in Philadelphia sports history, and it's it's now culminated in a, here we are in a place where the Phillies have the longest postseason drought in the National League. Which I mean, ten years ago nobody would have thought that was possible. And then that that's kind of been built on a, a growing history of some massive late-season collapses. The past three years, um, they we've been in the driver's seat for the playoffs and just not been able to deliver when it counted. And they would blame it on Kapler. He had two years. I wasn't the biggest fan of him, but you know what? Bringing in a World Series-winning a manager and Joe Girardi, and still having lost seven of the last eight games. I mean, that's pretty. That that's pretty damning for the Phillies organization as a whole.
0: Especially when you guys are in position to make, and you, there is in no way shape or form that the miami marlins had a more talented roster than the philadelphia phillies last year <laughs> And yeah it, my, yeah it was a pretty magical run i will say for miami i mean watching those guys a bunch of just random players miguel rojas was and then who was that that cat that came down from milwaukee their first base and big guy hey uh, Aguilar.
1: yeah aguilar yeah
0: he's it, getting some thanks. <laughs> it's, I swear against the Braves every series, Aguilar would would rip off like a 450 foot bomb. Just absolutely. He's like the Justin Boer, He who I think was on the Phillies roster pretty recently.
1: Yeah, he had a little, he had a little run with the Phillies. And, yeah.
0: yeah. But yeah, no, it, it, it definitely seemed like torture for Phillies fans this past year uh, because, he, as you mentioned yesterday, half the teams in the MLB made the playoffs this year. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's sixteen out of thirty teams in MLB, and and the fact that the Phillies, who are spending all of this money to to bring in this these big name talented players, can't construct a full roster, is I mean, it, it's really painful to watch year in and year out.
0: So, what was the issue in Philadelphia this past year, and what have they done this offseason to kind of correct that, if they've done anything? So, I mean. The big problem in Philadelphia for the last five years has been
1: the reign of Matt Klintak as the GM and his just consistent failure to address the most glaring need on the team, which was the bullpen, who this past year blew 14 saves in a 60 game season. I mean, that that's that's pretty bad stuff. And it was tied for the league lead. So there's some context for you there. But, I mean, in the, toward the end of the season, he made some late trades for four relievers, one of them being uh, Brian Workman. And those four relievers combined for an ERA of 8.6. So he's not bringing in guys. And then when he is bringing guys, it's not the right guys. And, I mean, that's, that's how you lose seven out of your last game, eight games going down the stretch, especially in this era where bullpens are so crucial and starters aren't going deep into games. You just need to have some arms that you can rely on.
0: You know, talk about the importance of bullpen and the kind of swing over to the Braves. They had a top 10 bullpen this year. It seemed like they were top five for most of it. But I think Fangrass ranked them as the number eight bullpen. And yeah, I, I, the importance of it, especially in playoff baseball is just massive. Um, so uh, so what have they signed any uh, any thoroughbreds off the, the free agent market? Yeah. So the last couple of months, they've actually brought in,
1: um, well, first they brought in a new president of baseball operations, Dave Dombrowski. We can talk a little bit about him another time, but, um, they brought in two big relievers and one of them being, uh, Jose Alvarado who struck out 13 guys, for nine innings last year and his average fastball ready for this 98 and a half miles an hour before last year, he was, he was a little hurt last year, but I mean, He's a lefty throwing 98 and a half consistently. That's
0: dangerous. Sounds like my man, A.J. Mentor, who had a resurrection of a season this year for the Braves. What happened to Sir Anthony Dominguez? Because that guy came on with a lot of promise.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, a couple of years ago, he, was, he pitched the first half of the season. He was looking like one of the most promising, not just relievers in baseball, but one of the most promising young players in baseball. I mean, he was, I, I think his ERA, by the time he got hurt, was probably hovering right around one, but I'm, I'm not entirely sure on that. You can fact-check me on that one. But he just got hurt about halfway through that season, and we really haven't seen him back at all, not even uh, attempting to come back um, in a couple games. But it's looking like maybe he'll be back this season. But I don't know. It's tough to rely on
0: that one guy to come back and just be the savior for the bullpen. Well, it's with the NL, we stacking up the way it is. In my biased opinion, it's the most talented conference in all of the MLB, and it's and it's going to be crazy. So I hope the Phillies bullpen stays a little bit shoddy, uh, so that the Braves don't have to. I hope Hector Neers comes in and kind of uh, blows a couple of saves, only against Atlanta, of course. But yeah. So do you, do you what 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 are your what do you think the season outlooks like right now? If the season started tomorrow, what is the bullpen like overall looking like? Well, so in addition to Alvarado, they
1: also brought in a guy by the name of Archie Bradley, who actually a few years ago, I just found this out, finished in the MVP voting as a setup pitcher. So, I mean, he's definitely got some stuff, and he's a guy that in addition to Alvarado is gonna be big, gonna go a long way to bolstering the bullpen. I mean, which still is not is one of the worst in the MLB, unfortunately. But you know, you look on the other side and you got one of the best offenses in MLB. And it's an offense that was sixth in the MLB and runs scored last year. And, I mean, that's the name of the game. So, I mean, just being able to support them a little bit, that's, that would be, go a long way.
0: Yeah, and that lineup, especially with Real Muto coming back, doesn't look too terrible, especially if you got Goose Gosselin batting cleanup for <laughs> Philadelphia. <laughs> the beloved Goose, yes.
1: Yeah, but uh, you're right. I mean, the Phillies lineup, there's just one question right now at shortstop. It's um, they're kind of unsure whether to resign the Gregorius or maybe to go in another direction with that. And actually, a, a name that you are certainly familiar with is Andrelson Simmons has now just recently come in with some rumors about the Phillies maybe targeting him in free agency. So I think we all love to hear your thoughts on that.
0: If I see Angelton Simmons in a Philadelphia Phillies uniform, a part of me will crawl up and die. He was my favorite player when he came up with the Braves. And when they traded him for Sean Newcomb back in, I think there's a couple of other players. But, yeah, Sean Newcomb hasn't kind of been the stud that we had all hoped he was. And Andrelton Simmons, in my opinion, is the best defensive shortstop to ever live. I know we can argue who, if, if especially Ozzy Smith, um, a lot of fans out there probably think he's better. But Andrelton Simmons, especially in – Anaheim he figured out how to hit the ball a lot better. In Atlanta, I think they kind of messed up his swing a little bit, trying to hit for too much power, but now he's batting around three hundred the last couple of seasons. But yeah, I don't I do not want to see Andleton Simmons in anywhere in the NL East. I think I love him to death. I think he's an amazing player. Uh yeah, I don't I do not want to see that happen at all. Yeah. And it does pose
1: an interesting debate that I'm sure you'd hear a lot of Phillies fans on either side of because Didi Gregorius in mean, his first season as a Philadelphia Philly, I mean, he had a great year he led the team in RBIs and absolutely came out it, like out of the gates this season, hitting the ball better than anyone on the team for the first few games. So he kind of endeared himself to Philadelphia, but now it's just going to be a matter of the money and, you know, who knows with that, but you're, you'd be giving up a guy with a big bat for a guy that has started to come around at the plate. But, I mean, there's really no one that plays shortstop in the game like Anderson Simmons. So, uh, it's an interesting – it's definitely an interesting argument to be had there.
0: Yeah, I, again, do not want to see him anywhere close uh, to the Atlanta Braves, or at least playing a team. I, lo- I love to see him on him. Dancy Swanson, though, has done a fine job. I know he kind of had a lot of criticism in his year – uh first couple of years um uh, but now he's he had a really strong year does fine on defense not Angelton simmons level but he does a good job and i think most braves fans are kind of like on the on the Danby boat i you know there's one hole in the braves lineup i think austin riley is going to be really fine at third base so i don't i'm not going to call that a hole but you know you have you know you talked about the hole in the phillies lineup so the braves you know do they sign Ozuna? And I'm you know, and i torn. He had a great season. Uh, he only struck out 22% of the time, I think, when he, when he was in St. Louis. I was above 30, and he he hammered the ball. So who's going to play left field for the Braves? you got Acuna out there. Uh, and you, you would assume Christian Pache, who's a promising young prospect, is going to play center. So we'll see what they do there. I don't think Nick Marcakis is. I think he's retired, and he's not coming back. I know a lot of Braves fan hope. Hopes he doesn't, but yeah, who's going to play left field? They're going to sign Ozuna. They were in on George Springer reportedly, so that would have been a great asset. But, yeah, that's the only hole in the Braves lineup, and uh, kind of like the Phillies with who are they going to sign? They're going to sign Gregoria so make a run at Angelton Simmons. It's just kind of like a waiting game at this point. So we've got a lot, of, a lot of interesting tidbits in the next couple of months before uh, the teams kind of report for spring training. Yeah, and you
1: mentioned the lineup, not really having addressed that yet as the Braves, but recently they have made a a couple pretty big additions to the rotation, so if you want to go in on that, I'm sure.
0: You know, I am really happy Charlie Morton is coming back to Atlanta because when he came up, he was, from all reports, I never saw him pitch – but um, I saw him pitch when he got to Atlanta, but throwing like low 90s, right? And just a young kid throwing low 90s, just like a normal looking guy, goes to Pittsburgh, looks like a normal looking guy, goes to freaking Houston, where apparently everyone in their mother goes and they there's some resurrection in their career. And this guy is throwing 100 miles an hour, uh, looking like a Cy Young and goes to... Tampa Bay where he looks really like a solid number two, number three pitcher. And I'm glad the Braves took a waiver on him. I, I really am. Drew Smiley, I'm kind of iffy on him. You know him a little bit from his time in Philly. Uh, apparently, uh, your boy Gabe Kapler did some work with him out there in the Bay Area, and he had a pretty solid season. I know his peripherals look really good, so the Braves took a took a flyer. They paid him pretty well considering, you know, what he, he was kind of like a guy bouncing around the league. So. You know, I think Smiley's the number five. I think uh, Charlie Morton will, will add stability to kind of the two and three area of the Braves rotations. But they got Soroka coming back and that Achilles at some point this season. Max Freed looked like a number one, and he pitched well in the playoffs. And Ian Anderson looked like a number one. So I, or on top of the rotation arm, uh, especially in the playoffs, he, he had, I think he gave up two earned runs and five starts in the playoffs, which is, pretty remarkable for a rookie. Um, So, yeah, I I think the Braves rotation, if if they are healthy, they're going to be fine. So, yeah, let's swing that over to the Phillies rotation. What's it looking like over there? So, it's really looking
1: like a lot of the same next year for the Phillies, which, I mean, isn't necessarily a terrible thing. It's not as big of a glaring hole as the bullpen is, but they definitely need to address the back of the rotation. I mean, at the top, you got guys like Nola and Wheeler, and that's obviously – I mean, that's as good of a one-two punch as it was last year as, as there is, I mean, or close to it. And, um, yeah, but behind them, you got Arietta still making a lot of money and not playing very well, starting to get old, starting to get hurt, starting to get a little injury-prone with the elbow. And um, you got Zach Eflin, who's either going to give up 10 runs or one. and uh, And then at the back of the rotation, you got – I mean, it's, it's that toss-up between Vince Velasquez. Who, My favorite left I mean, fielder. We would all love just to, to see him be playing uh, outfield, but I mean, that can't happen all the time. You need that guy. He, he could long-term be another addition to the bullpen, but um, it's really it's it's been probably five or so years of him trying to make a go at being a starter, and it's just it's starting to look like maybe he's not going to turn that corner, but in addition to him, you got Spencer Howard, who is a young guy who the Phillies have very high hopes for, obviously. He was kind of billed as a, a top of the rotation guy coming through the minor leagues. So he struggled. He definitely struggled. He was called up for the first time last year. But um it'll be interesting to see how he develops moving forward. Are there
0: I, I know I think I Adonis Medina is if that's a name that you're familiar with, was kind of a, a hot prospect in the the Phillies. Minor league system. What? What? Are, who are the top prospects that you know of, and you know you're excited about being a fan? Yeah. Well, it, it definitely
1: is Donis Medina. He's he was kind of a name that wasn't necessarily on the sixth of Sanchez level, but he's always been on the radar as a guy that might come in and be a starter someday. So that's obviously something that Philly fans should be looking forward to and be hopeful about because he he did come up as a relief pitcher towards the end of this last year. And, I mean, he struggled a bit, but he's still a very young guy. I believe he's 23. Yeah, 23. So, he's a young guy. And then, obviously, we have my NL Rookie of the Year, Alec Baum, coming up this
0: season. Absolutely. He didn't win Rookie of the Year, did he? He did it, but he's my, he's my way. <laughs> I'm sure all, all Phillies fans, hey, you know, national fans. I, I didn't realize how many national fans there actually were until Ronald Acuna, won rookie of the year over Juan Soto. And they came out in droves and they're like, Juan Soto had a better year. And I think in some categories he did, but yeah, I, I'm sure Phillies fans were happy that who, and it was a reliever that won it. Right. It, it was a reliever. I think Alec Baum,
1: um, it kind of hurt him that he didn't get that full sixty games, but he did end up finishing second in the rookie of the year voting um, with batting three forty for the season. I mean, let's just you got to give credit to the guy. He he was the most consistent position player on the Phillies roster this year, and I mean, it really wasn't that close. He he kind of held the team together at some points, and um, I know as a Phillies fan, we're as we're very grateful for to see him develop like this because, I mean, that's kind of what he's been built as coming up through the minor leagues is he's a guy that's going to be able to start, and he's going to be
0: a guy that can play some big, uh, perform well in some big games someday. How's our friend Mickey Moniak uh, doing out there? Well,
1: um, you had to bring it up, didn't you? But that's just another one of Klintak's failures is what it's looking like right now. I mean, drafting a high schooler out of, Outfielder, And I mean, in a year, unfortunately, where we weren't lucky and there wasn't that consensus number one overall guy. But you know what? The Braves, if anybody, the Braves benefited greatly from that as Ian Anderson was picked only two picks later. And I'm sure uh, you might, you must be a big Mickey Maniac fan right now. I
0: am. That was the first draft I actually followed in my Braves fandom. And and I remember looking at the message boards, and people weren't necessarily too high on Ian Anderson. I think he was like the 12th ranked prospect overall. And they picked him at three so they could you know sign him under slot to sign Joey Wentz and Kyle Mueller uh, a little bit later in the draft. But it Lord is – his changeup is – I don't, I, I remember a story, somebody, a, a seasoned vet helped him with his changeup. But that, his whole repertoire, he's everything that I thought Kyle Wright would be right now. Uh, Kyle Wright's another story we can get into another time. He hasn't, he? he's had his ups, way more downs. But yeah, no, I'm glad the Braves took him at number three. I think that was uh Pella or Copy. I think he was the, uh, the GM still at the time. Now he's with Pete Rose and banned from baseball um but yeah it was uh it was it has definitely turned out and plus we traded joey wentz for shane green the re- the closer at the time for the tigers and hopefully wentz doesn't have a great career because that will that will be looked back on very sadly but we have kyle mueller who's who's top 15 prospect in the brave system but yeah yeah, it's uh, that draft, Mickey because I know the Braves were he was a name, like if he would drop to the Braves, they, they they were thinking about picking him. there's a guy, was Seattle number two that year and they took uh that college bet. Do you remember? Uh, I, I'm not I'm
1: not entirely sure on that one.
0: Yeah, I remember there's a college guy who was raking, I think, in a Sunbelt conference team. I can't I can't remember my at my old age. It's I'm just keep my memory's getting shoddy. <laughs> but yeah, let, let's take this into a segue to kind of look at the other uh, three teams in the NL East, the Mets, Marlins, um, and Nationals in their seasons. Obviously, Washington, who was the reigning champs, finished last in the conference. So, yeah, let's touch a little. What, what were your thoughts on them this year?
1: Yeah, well, obviously going into the season, Washington, unfortunately for them, we were talking about it yesterday, but Washington didn't really get their victory lap. They didn't get their, like, championship Uh, They couldn't bask in the sunlight of the championship uh, with all the fans not being in the stands, unfortunately. Um, So, I mean, you have to think that that might play a little bit of a role mentally in the team. But, I mean, at the end of the day, they just didn't deliver. And obviously losing a guy uh, like Rendon hurts a
0: lot, but, but you still got some very big bats in the Nationals lineup. Yeah, I mean, Juan Soto, we we talked about it a little bit yesterday, but there's definitely a argument to be made that Juan Soto is the most promising young player uh, in the MLB. I'm going to be here and I'm going to say Ronald Acuna every day uh, and, you know. But abstractly, I, I definitely can see where somebody can think Juan Soto is the better prospect. But if you if we're if you're building a team around a young player, I'm choosing Ronald Cunha twelve times out of ten. And so that is my unbiased opinion. But yeah, no. Certainly. Yeah. <laughs> the Nationals you know they seem. uh they got Victor Robles out there at center field he was a, he was a bigger prospect than Soto I believe at the time when Soto got called up called up but uh yeah they got Robles out there and, and you, who who else they got in, in that lineup I know
1: well you have Trey Turner batting oh, um, yeah, in in the in the mid 300s so he he's a guy that's and he's fast as hell and so he's he's definitely they they have some dudes, and I mean they had another good year from Howie Kendrick. I mean, who knows where the cliff is with him? Obviously, we mentioned the universal DH is leaving the National League. Unfortunately, I thought this season was a great showcase for it.
0: Yeah, I, you know, we can have a whole another podcast on on that. So I don't want to spend too much time on it. But yeah, I thought that's a no-brain. Who wants to see you know Syndergaard get hurt trying to swing a bat that? Yeah, nobody wants to see that. Nobody wants to see pitchers hit, and I know a lot of Eds yeah. are talking about how it's been played, but you know, I want to see I don't want to see Marcelo Zuna walk out in left field, at like negative seven defensive wins above replacement this year. <laughs> nobody wants to see that, so I think that yeah, give me the universal DH every day of the week.
1: Yeah, certainly. I mean, and you don't want Max Serzer button balls off his face either, so that's that's definitely something that you're not looking forward to with
0: pitchers behind the plate. But that, that because of that, we got, I mean, we just saw how crazy awesome that guy is going out there with, can barely open that eye. Just, just, it looks like he just got in a bar fight and just came out there. And I, I think he threw a shutout or he, it was He was against the Phillies. I, I can't remember
1: if it was a shutout or if it was just one run, but, I mean, the dude struck out 10 guys with his face all swollen up. So, I mean, you got to respect the hell out of that guy for just the dog that he is. He didn't have the greatest season of his career this year, but, I mean, he's still
0: Max Scherzer. He still has some very dangerous stuff. You know, it feels like it's that one time, you know, normally when you get like those albatross of contracts, when you give it like a pitcher, like a 10 year deal, right? They almost always are going to have like, they're going to be really solid because that's what they've been. That's why they have the contract. They're going to be really solid the first few years, but then they're going to, it's like Chris Sale, they're going to have that massive drop off. But even if, I mean, Max Scherzer wasn't Max Scherzer of old, the Cy Young winner, but he has been worth every penny if not more for that nationals rotation he he i mean i can only admire what he's done over there uh, in washington yeah you 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 have
1: to admire a guy like that who gets the big contract and then goes out and earns that money and um yeah. he brought them a, a world series which i i don't think many people saw coming so uh yeah definitely props to him for the way that he's conducted himself
0: as a national and let's uh, kind of, so my the, my favorite team to watch this year, of course, outside of the Braves, was the Miami Marlins. Made the playoffs, won a game in the playoffs, which I I don't know if that's going to count as a series, that kind of one-game playoff. The Braves magically won in extra innings against uh, the Reds and Trevor Bauer looking like an absolute machine that game. But yeah, Miami, Miami played the Braves in uh, the divisional round and Braves won uh, pretty easily, but... It's just pretty – they only had two guys uh, have over one and one's above replacements, uh, which is Miguel Rojas and Brian Anderson from a lineup standpoint. But, yeah, it's just kind of a hodgepodge group of guys. you got Jesus Aguilar came over off of waivers from Milwaukee, Uh, Francisco Cervelli, Starling Marte. You just had a a Corey Dickerson who you know a little bit from his time in Philadelphia, if if my memory is serving correctly. Yes, you're right. But, yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean – yeah, this, it, you're right. It's a weird team and it's a weird group of players, but you really need to tip your hat to Don Mattingly for the way that he rallied them together. And I, they were they were an anomaly. I mean, you don't see many teams with a minus 41 run differential having winning records. I mean, minus 41, that's going to be a tough hurdle to overcome if you're playing 162 games, but they they were able to do that. In a sixty game season, have a winning record and make the playoffs. So I mean, great for them. And with a twenty and fourteen away
0: record, too. Yeah, I so. was gonna say that was another at home they were like nine and fourteen, right? And so yeah, they Yeah, I mean they definitely season. did it the hard way. But I, I think so. Their their lineup. I don't think you have any 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 centerpiece right in that Miami lineup. Any like one guy where you're just like, this is like the Juan Soto, the Ronald Acuna. Um, I know Lewis Brinson was like kind of hailed as that coming over in the oh Christian. Yellow. They'd love they'd love Brian Anderson to be that guy too. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and I think Brian Anderson is is a good player to have, but he's not like, you know, the number three hitter in your lineup. Like, he, yeah, yeah, he's no he's no Christian Yelich, says so for yeah. sure. Uh, but that the pitching staff, though, I think has two really Pablo Lopez and obviously the the Philadelphia great six oh Sanchez are two young guys I think that are going to be really phenomenal in the next five years in the NL East.
1: Yeah, I mean, they have a phenomenally young pitching rotation. And it's really unbelievable. They have, they have six guys that started and won games this year that are all 25 or younger. And I mean, you don't really see that around the MLB. I mean, you got, you mentioned Pablo Lopez and, uh, six though, obviously, but there's Sandy Alcantara who had a phenomenal season as well. In addition to those guys, I mean, and they, and they're young guys, they, they came up and they played well this year.
0: Yeah. Yemi Garcia out of the pen had a great year too. Uh, I mean, he had almost uh, one win above replacement coming out of the bullpen, which is pretty awesome in a 60 game season. But yeah, I think that is going to be their avenue for success if they continue with this year. I don't, I wouldn't predict them to get back into the playoffs, especially with everything coming back to normal. Um, but yeah, it's it was a fun season to watch, and you kind of saw the hype coming out from that team, us against the world, and it was cool to watch. Um, but yeah, yeah, let's let, let now let's go on to the Mets, who I think was ever like they were a pretty favorite. Like I know the Braves were a lot of people's favorites to win, but I, I, I there was a lot of hype coming out of New York uh, for them to win the East this past year. Yeah, I mean,
1: and it was warranted hype. I mean, obviously they have the centerpiece is. Jacob DeGrom, who, I mean, he's the best pitcher in the NL East, and he's arguably the best pitcher in the MLB. The dude just does it every year. Yeah. He comes out, and he, I mean, he's a Cy Young candidate or he's a Cy Young winner, and, I mean, you got to respect the guy for his ability. But, I mean, in addition to him, they got their lineup. I mean, has has some guys in it, has some guys that
0: maybe underperformed a little bit this year, actually. Yeah, McNeil... Um, I'm looking at his now. He just – he had 1.2 war on the season. Bad at 311. But, yeah, McNeil, Conforto um, are both – I mean, I don't know if Conforto's young. I think he's like 28, right? Um, Yeah, he's like 27, 28. Yeah, and he was hailed at – and I think McNeil's up there in age too, kind of a late bloomer. But then DeGrom didn't come into the league until he was like 27. I mean, he went to Stetson. I don't know if he – Went off for it. He was kind of just a late bloomer. Now, obviously, as you said, his stud, but yeah, the lineup had a lot of hype. It, it, Pete Alonzo didn't perform, I think, to the level where everyone was expecting him to come off that Rookie of the Year campaign. Uh, so to circle back and kind of finish the uh, the podcast, what was your expectations of the Phillies and going into last year and uh, the rest of the NL East as a whole, and how did that turn out?
1: Yeah, so we kind of touched on it a bit earlier, but... Going into the season with the Phillies, I mean, there was a lot of excitement. Had a new uh, manager, Joe Girardi, who's a World Series champion, actually beat the Phillies in the World Series. But um, yeah, it, it, with the offense that has been producing for the last couple of years with a lot of big names on it. And, you know, you just really want to hope every year that the rotation could pull it together and that guys like Velasquez and Eflin could start really performing and then that the, the bullpen could at least be solid enough to give the team a fighting chance and you know i mean with the 16 team uh playoff this year i mean it was hard to to imagine a scenario at the beginning of the season that would find the phillies out of the playoffs and you know what they just they went out and they they were in position they disappointed at the end of the year so um i think there's a lot of disappointed people in philadelphia right now surrounding the team and the way they finished the season um yeah, and then with just regards to the rest of the NL East, I mean, we mentioned it, but it's a strong division. And, I mean, I don't think anybody anybody could have predicted what happened with the Marlins at all.
0: Yeah, no, uh, there, there's no way. Uh, and we can kind of segue into that. Too. So I, the Braves, I, I fully expected them to win the NL East uh, as probably – 112% of Braves fans would say, right after winning the, the division the year before. You know, you thought that the Nationals would be down, right, with Tony bats out of the lineup um, and Strasburg in and out of rehab um, with his injury. Um, the Mets were the ones, though, that I thought were going to really get the, the media was saying that the Mets were primed to make a run and win the East. And so I was kind of, I, I had pretty high expectations for them. The Phillies, I mean, they—you know—they just got so much star power in in the lineup, Real Muto and Harper, to be specific, and Reese Hoskins. So we—I know we didn't touch on Reese at all. We can get into him and in later. Uh, Reese Reese could have a whole episode
1: <laughs> for his ups and downs. But uh, yeah, I mean, around the division, there is definitely a lot of talent. And you mentioned the Mets. I mean, they were kind of a sneaky, trendy pick at the beginning of the year, just with those guys like McNeil and Alonso, and obviously. When you got the Grom coming out every five games, that, that's something that's going to be tough to contend with for a lot of teams. But they, they really couldn't pull it together. And I mean, that was kind of the story of the season for teams like the Phillies, the Nationals, and the Mets, where it was just um, – especially the Nationals coming off a World Series. I mean, you mentioned, yeah, they lost Rendon. But, you know, there's three teams with a lot of talent that really didn't show up and play when it mattered
0: this season. And the Mets, right. They had DeGrom, obviously, best pitcher in the league. And you got Syndergaard. He didn't pitch much, if at all, on the season. Stroman opted out, and that was – people were expecting him to play at one point. Stroman opted out. Matt's had a terrible season. Um, and so, yeah, you you take out Syndergaard and Stroman from the rotation, and, um, yeah, the, the, the pitching struggled outside of DeGrom for them. And so, yeah, it just – in the no one if someone said they predicted the marlins one they're either the parent of jesus aguilar or they they're out of their mind no one saw that coming
1: yeah no doubt about it and i mean and like we mentioned earlier props to the team props to don mattingly for being able to pull that off because i mean yes there will be the detractors that say everything that happened this season gets an asterisk next to it but i think what played out over those 60 games which is really all you can ask for is what would have probably happened over 160 games you just got to give credit to the teams that were able to show up in that whatever sample size it may be and go out and win and then
0: perform and, and it's tough right it's, it's such a short sample size when you put it in perspective of 160 games it was just 60 so it's I mean. You know, t- you see it all the time. Teams get out to hard, hot starts in the first 80 games, and then they flame out towards the end because they're just not built to have that success for 160 games. Um, but, yeah, it's uh, – we, we can, again, in later episodes – so we plan on doing this one once a week um, until the season starts, and then we'll, we'll, we'll put, it, put it in gear a couple times a week. But, yeah, we, can, we're, we plan on going through every team uh, in the division and uh, all the major signings that happens from now to the start of the season. So yeah, appreciate appreciate you guys tuning in, and until uh, next time.